Barry, I hate to break it to you. But the world is on the brink of disaster. World crime is at an all-time high. And the only thing standing between order and chaos is us. Hello, welcome to another episode of Rewatchability. It's the podcast where we revisit movies and TV shows from the recent past to see how they hold up today. I'm J.M. McNabb, and I'm joined, as always, by... Robert Larone. And uh, Blaine's out. He's on assignment this week. So we're joined by a very special guest. He's been on the show before. It's our friend Sina Romani. Hey, Sina. Hello. Hello. So good to be back. I love this podcast. I've been listening to it for years, and so it's so fun to be on it. That sounded forced and insincere. <laughs> Blink twice if you're under duress. No, I love you guys. I'm a patron. I'm paying to be on this podcast. That's true. <laughs> Not um, much, albeit. We are an Entertainment One podcast, and we're here this week for a special July 4th episode. It's uh, Hopefully, it should be going up on the July 4th weekend. And to celebrate America's independence, we are, are going to talk about the most American movie we could think of. And that is, American of course... American Gigolo. No, no. Okay. <laughs> Did you watch the wrong movie again? <laughs> Maybe. Ip Man 4. <laughs> we watched Team America World Police. It's a 2004 comedy starring puppets um, <laughs> made by, I, I guess, just Trey Parker directed it, right? Not the other one? Yeah. I uh, think so. It's, they it's, don't do like a Coen Brothers thing, do they? I think they kind of do. Well, yeah, because the Coen Brothers, but that was for like guild reasons or something, right? We're no. off topic. We're going to talk about Team, Team America. It's a big movie. You know, I was surprised to learn that it actually didn't make that much money at the box office because, like, really? I feel, yeah, it only made like 50 million or something. And I thought this was a movie that everyone had seen, like, to the point where Matt Damon can't walk down the street without <laughs> being harassed <laughs> because of this movie. But I guess a lot of people probably saw it on video. What about you guys? Well, Maybe we'll get to Rob in a minute because, Cena, I know when you first saw this movie because, <laughs> yeah. coincidentally, Rob suggested this movie. You were already lined up as the guest, and we actually saw it together. Yeah, we did. We saw it in high school together. We were... We no, were, no, we I, weren't in high school. We were, we were in, in high school. Uh, no, it's college. It's true. Yeah, yeah. university. We had started, we'd started university by then. I just associate a South Park with high school because that's kind of when I watched it. I didn't really watch it a lot, but this movie was, I was amped for it. I mean, I liked, I liked the uh, first one, the first movie they made, the South Park movie, but this one, well, that wasn't we the first together. movie they made. That's not they, true. They yeah, it's true. I meant the, yeah, that's true. It's not their actual, they by, by the pairing, but that, you know, in my head, these guys, you know, I only heard of them ever after South Park. So, you know, I saw the South Park movie and I was excited for this and yeah, we saw it together in, in Toronto and, uh, I didn't like it then, and I don't like it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, my memory of it was that you and I, and maybe one of our other friends, I can't remember, went to, it was like an advanced screening. It was before the movie. Maybe I'm wrong, because I was also oh. reading up about this movie, and they, it turns out they like just barely finished it like before the movie. Like They couldn't even screen it for press before the, the junkets, because they didn't even have a print of it. It was that down to the wire. So I'm kind of surprised, but I, I'm really 
quite sure we saw it like the week before it came out at some kind of special screening. Am I making that up? I don't know. We could have. You you did these things because you always chase you 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 had your sort of nose to the to the to the ear to the ground or whatever that expression is for these things. My nose things. and so ear were on the ground. New, you had a nose and ear doctor appointment. <laughs> yeah, no, I could see that happening. But either way, it was not good. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, I remember being disappointed by this movie. Wow. Not for the same reasons will well I mean, actually probably a lot of the same reasons that we'll get into now but like i was the same i really by this point in time maybe i i don't know if i even still watch south park anymore probably not but we were in high school when it came out and the movie the south park movie like you said was certainly a big deal as were yeah some of the other movies one we've talked about on the podcast before is basketball which yep. was a a, a a big movie <laughs> for me but yeah this one was kind of a letdown like it yeah. was also like i wasn't the most politically active kid you you were certainly more than me but like we were all wrapped up in the anxiety and outrage surrounding the Iraq war. And, it, yeah. and this was right before, you know, the 2004 election, it seemed like this movie was going to be, it was kind of positioned to be like this key satirical work uh, during this, <laughs> this yeah. uh, anxious time. Like that's what it, it, it kind of it just, you know, yeah, that's the way it was pitched. That's yeah. the way it was pitched. Cause these guys were the bad boys, but I mean, we should talk about it, but what about Rob? Sorry, I started to host your own show, but no, what about fine. Rob's? Because we're getting into the details. Yeah, wow. well, yeah, I don't want to get into the details, but I, I do know, I but think you're Rob right, said yeah. that you, you hadn't seen It was pitched as like the radical, it was pitched as kind of like their take on Bush's America. Right. You know, it yeah. was kind of like, I forgot to, I was like, whoa, this is a Bush movie. This is like a, <laughs> and it's like, and it's preoccupied with Bush's America, like TM, trademark, yeah. whatever. Like it was, it really is in there. So yeah, I, you're right. It was kind of marked that way yeah and uh rob i don't think you ever saw this right no i didn't i remember it happening i remember the sort of cultural phenomena of it and i remember like a lot of people a lot of my friends liked it but i was never a big south park fan i always found it a little bit too crass for me and although, you know, I, I think that I, I do have like a certain respect for those guys and the work that they do. You know, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's, you know, very pointedly satirical. Sometimes they are uh, dicks and sometimes they are juvenile. But uh, I've never really sort of enjoyed their stuff enough to go and seek out this movie. But I also thought that, you know, it's a movie that a lot of people do like. It was a big film. And we're kind of in a, I don't know if it's a similar place, but it's a place where you can sort of draw parallels anyway, talking, you know, about America right now. I mean, the difference then is that everybody was like, you know, sort of caught in this like patriotic, rah, rah, like America, fuck yeah, circle jerk, which this movie was a handy antidote to. Now, I mean, America, it's a lot different and it's still very scary, but in a different way. I don't know what it has to say about the world that we live in today, but I was kind of interested to see whether it said anything at all. Well, I think there's certainly something to be said in terms of like 
the way people behave today and like tracing that back to Team America and South Park. Like, I don't, you know, we could maybe do a South Park episode in the future. I don't want this to just be a referendum on South Park, but like, certainly there have been a lot of think pieces in the past few years about like, did South Park kind of breed the kind of like alt right internet trolls that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. kind of dominate the Twitter Twitter sphere these days. I I don't know. I think there's something to be said about that, and and certainly, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about the politics of South Park. I don't think that's avoidable when we get into the show. I was thinking about it, watching it now, like, and my disappointment with the movie. I think like my fandom of South Park, being like a teenager when it first came on and watching those first few years, and really up to the movies. I think when I kind of dropped off for the most part like we kind of watched that show we were at the age where we were watching it before it really got to the sort of political stuff right like i kind of liked those guys like even when they were commentating commentating on stuff like in the south park movie they were mainly like you know tackling like their own uh, controversies. They were addressing like censorship and media and parenting, you know, like all of these things were kind of wrapped up in the, uh, in the discussion of the show itself. Like, I think after I stopped watching it is when it became this very, like, you know, it, it was tackling the issues of the day and very, very quickly. Right. was the other thing. But yeah, yeah I, I more like them for like the absurd stuff. The, you know, like <laughs> my th- favorite thing those guys ever did will always be basketball. I can't <laughs> see a world of basketball. I can attest to JM's obsession with basketball. Wow. It it like got into his kind of personalities like genome and he would like quote it. He still quotes it sometimes subconsciously in some of his mannerisms. I still detect a hint of basketball. It's the same with uh, if Blaine were here, he would say the same thing. He's also a big <laughs> basketball fan. But let's get into Team America because there's a lot to talk about. Rob, do you want to run down the plot of the movie? I will try. It's very convoluted. It starts in Paris, France, America's greatest enemy. Uh, and it's, it starts kind of cleverly with like the with the marionette, and then you know because we know this is going to be a puppet movie, and then it sort of zooms out, and the puppet's being puppeted by a puppet. Huh? That's good. I like that. It's like that's some uh, being John Malkovich shit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It's very artsy. But uh, we see there's this small boy with you know, chocolate staining his face, and uh, he's just having a lovely French day when he runs into some big, scary Arab men. And these Arab men have a briefcase. Of course, they are terrorists, and uh, they're going to do some terrorizing in France. But luckily... Team America, the world police are here to save the day, France being solidly in their jurisdiction. They, you know, come down and they, like, shoot up the terrorists as a big gunfight, and they, they win for freedom, but not without a price. One of the Team America members, while he is proposing to his love, gets shot by one of these mean, scary, evil terrorists and dies. And that is the beginning. It's you know, full of action and drama and, and Sturm and Drong. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> one, one thing that left out to me this time was I was impressed by the the how authentic the, the action movie beats felt. Like, mm-hmm. 
a lot of times you watch a parody and and they you know they kind of get one or two things right but this felt very like the music the the way they the sort of action choreography was done like it felt like you know a Bruckheimer movie or or something like that yeah and and that's definitely what they're like one of their primary sources of uh parody uh or Michael Bay who they mention by name uh in song later i mean i don't know if we want to get right into like the kind of like racist overtones of yeah, the movie. Yeah, no. Do you want to I wait to get that later? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, that's the thing. Like, so with this, this is kind of my global view. These guys are experts in what they know, which is film and television, right? Like, they know that stuff. They know it well. It's like in their own. It's like it's how it's written. So, like the conventions, the beats, as you put it, right? Like they had a whole song about montages that's taking place during a montage, for instance. Later, like this is what they know. But the the problem though is that that parody. It's a formal parody, right? Like they're periodically kind of restaging old. American Hollywood action movie cliches, mm-hmm. right? Like that's the baseline description. That's how they would describe it. And like other, and, 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 you know, Top Gun, things like that, like jingoistic stuff, right? I mean, even the title, right? Like, like Top Gun, the, like Top Gun kind of haunts this movie as much as anything else. And I Which love the fact that it was literally created to uh, yeah, help exactly. enlist people in the military. Yeah. So, right. So like the American and indus- like sort of military industrial complex needs Hollywood. And this was the topic of our last show, actually, with yeah. Uh, I was wondering how long it'd be till we got to the military industrial (laughs) complex. But like, but that's the thing inside, like inside of this movie, it looks like a critique. The intention of the authors put forward by them says we are critiquing these. We are like we are periodically re-import, like sort of re-performing these old hackneyed action cliche movies of the eighties, seventies, whatever, nineties, right? Like that's what they're doing at the baseline level. But then the content of what they're doing is this is where it runs into an issue because then they take the stock characters of American news culture and American sort of politics at that time, the sort of contemporary moment, which is, by the way, America is occupying not just Iraq, but also Afghanistan, right? There's like in total probably half a million troops in the Middle East that are literally occupying West Asia, we should call it, like is literally occupying two huge countries. So this movie comes out in the context of two really violent American sort of military enterprises. Things that we haven't seen since like a scale of military intervention that we hadn't seen in like 50 years. So the fact that like to them, the content is just kind of secondary. Like they don't care, right? Like they don't give a shit about any of this stuff. And it's not their, you know, someone could come back and say it's not their job to give a shit. Like, okay. But in reality though, when they apply their we offend everyone politics which is all their politics is right so we're going to offend everyone all the substance of what they do is nothing right like for good parody good satire satire people have to people forget this satire is a means to an end right it's something that gets you representation like that allows it's like the court jester making fun of the king and the king being too stupid to figure it out now these guys think they're the court jester but they're they're fucking the king too right because they're the producers of their own shit so they're performing for what basically their peers and their audience and that's why the part the real sort of purpose of this movie is to lampoon liberal hollywood for its you know, limpid resistance to American imperialism in Iraq. That's really what it comes down to. Well, I, I think there's there's kind of two things happening with this movie 
that I think like we were kind of talking before we started recording, like the, the sort of main defense of this movie that I'm not totally convinced of, but you could argue like the, the sort of talking about this first scene, talking about like the scary Arab man, like it is an offensive portrayal. It's, it's done in a tasteless way, but it takes place within the world of an action movie. And I think they would say that they put that there and they put, you know, they have like the Homeland music playing as, you know, we see them. Like, I think that if you ask them, they would say, well, we did this to, you know, uh, lampoon the the way Hollywood kind of demonizes uh, people from this region. Or even the way that America views people from that region. Totally. And I think that's fair. I don't think the movie ever drives it home enough to like make that clear to, you know, 90% of the audience. Well, I, I think the big problem with that and with the movie as a whole is the movie's kind of doing two things. It's making fun of action movies. It's 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 the central thesis of the movie is basically like don't don't take any kind of political inference from Hollywood, from action movies, from it's all fake, it's all stupid. I mean, there's a reason why the central yeah, yeah it's all fake, it's all stupid. Yeah, That's it's the all thesis. stupid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But. That's the entire South Park thesis too. It's all stupid. It kind of, yeah, exactly. Which, which we'll talk about more, I'm sure. But I, I think it is at its core trying to, uh, trying to take down movies and Hollywood and the way Hollywood kind of frames uh, real world events. Now, I yeah. think they came up with this idea and it was a solid idea. And then like some of the most like impactful, you know, global events <laughs> happened in the court. Like they wrote this movie or the first draft of this movie, like before the Iraq war ever happened. And so as they kept plotting but after nine 11 though, I don't know. I couldn't find that out, but I, I wonder, I don't know, probably, but I think that the way, especially like we were talking about how it comes out before the election, I think they kind of had this, idea of doing an action movie with puppets satirizing hollywood and then kind of as that gained steam and as that kind of necessarily had to reflect what was happening in the world it became this other thing and the movies trying to straddle that balance of lampooning both is is where it kind yeah. of falls apart for me and kind of renders all of it null. But I, I'm sorry, we've gone on a few detours, yeah. Rob. We're, still we're in only the in the first scene. We have to go to Broadway. <laughs> where <laughs> It's a very, I love the uh, the miniature Broadway that they yeah, this Yeah, that was very well done. The aesthetics of the movie are fun, but they get tiring after like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And we and we get to uh we get to see a bit of a musical called Lease, which is an obvious parody of um The Lion King. Yeah. Um <laughs> Rent. And uh here we meet Gary, who is the protagonist of the film, and he's singing a song uh called oh, uh God. Yeah, I mean, it's just this is typical them. Like they're like, let's let's take something sad and make fun of it. <laughs> like well, there's no, they're not smart. 
Like that's that's what it comes down to. Like good parody, good satire requires intelligence. These guys are not intelligent. They're cynical. And they watch a lot of TV. Like yeah. that's it's like Trump. They're actually like Trump in that way. Like Trump is a smart guy only insofar as he knows how to like manipulate media. Otherwise, he's just an oaf. So you're you know, saying like the his... politics of Donald Trump are a lot like the AIDS song from <laughs> Team America. <laughs> World. It's the same. It's the same. Like uh, what's there's nothing at stake in either of them in any of it. The point is, you hear something a lot in the news and you make fun of it for your people who eat it up. I, I would disagree with this scene. I think I, I, I kind of chuckle because I think the joke is not that the song is about something terrible. I think the joke is that that musical is about something terrible and it's a musical and then they cut to the audience and it's all like people all dressed up probably pretty like rich yeah. like bobbing their heads to the song about AIDS I mean yeah. the the kind of uh, ironic thing about that is like I felt like I had a similar experience going to see the Book of Mormon, which is the <laughs> isn't that funny? You either live long enough, you die the enemy, or whatever. What's the line from Dark Knight? Like, yeah, because just became that. But well, I, I went to go see the Book of Mormon because, like, my wife wanted to go, and I think I got her tickets for her birthday. People and, love it, and I wanted to go see it because you know, like, I yeah, I, there's a lot of stuff those these guys have li- done that I like, and I went, and it was just so weird to have that like mental reset of being like, wow, like when South Park came out, like my parents' friends didn't want them watching it. (laughs) Teachers were upset about like people wearing t-shirts. It was controversial. They aired it at midnight because people complained after they aired it at 9.30. It was like a big deal. It was this controversial, edgy thing. And to go from that to like these guys wrote a musical and we paid like $200 to go see it and we're sitting with a bunch of rich people with white hair and they're all dressed and I was just like looking around like what we're the like fuck bust is in. This? They were like bust in from the suburbs to watch the Book of Mormon. Yeah, and they're just like making jokes that are like offensive jokes. I'm like, I don't know about a, about that joke. And then I look around and like I see some, you know, rich 70 year old dude laughing at him and like, now I really don't like that joke. <laughs> it's like, it was just so weird yeah, to like yeah. No, that's yeah. exactly it. That's like these the the intention of the authors is irrelevant. It's how it lands. And and I actually want to question the intention thesis that these guys have because whatever we could talk about libertarianism, but you're right. Like exactly what you said was right. The people who find this funny are supposedly the targets of it. Like what does that say that the targets of it, like the status quo, so to speak. Right. Like, or like, it doesn't like to, to make fun. Like this movie ends with Alec Baldwin, right? Like putting aside the F word stuff. Like, so, so for instance, <laughs> what you were saying earlier about the AIDS, like the AIDS thing. Okay. On its face, like, fine. You could make fun of the rent thing. If they were, if they were here, they would defend themselves and say, Oh, we're making fun of the fact that they like took this, took this very serious crisis of like, like that affected like millions of people and like basically tore a lot of like parts of New York out, like ripped up the parts of sort of New York, certain artist communities. And you profited off of it and turned it into this like cheesy theater piece, right? Fine, like la bohème shtick. Fine, you can say that. But at the heart of that, though, like that's the beginning of something funny, right? But that's all those guys have. They all they have is to say it's stupid to make a musical about AIDS. It's like okay, now it's also stupid to do that about other shit. So now what? Like bring bring something else to the table other than saying it's stupid. But then when you combine that, that's on. That's only if you like read that scene in isolation. But if you combine that with the fact that these guys you every opportunity to drop the f-bomb which is to say f-a-g i don't want to say it like like these guys do right it's literally written i mean these guys 
really like made a career. Like it's almost like Eddie Murphy and delirious levels of homophobia, right? Like, and it's played off as, oh, they're just part of like the many people we make fun of. But the bad people, the people who are like the object of the most derision in the movie are FA, are part of FAG. The, what is it? The something the actors, film actors guild. guild. Yeah. yeah. Film actors in, guild. In real life, in real life, it's SAG. It's the screen yeah. actors. And guild. it's like, yeah. wow, that so, was really yeah. funny. Like, that's literally what you yeah. would do in, like, 12 years old. Like, these guys, I mean, it's just such a trite thing to say, but it's true. But these guys never grew up. They just did the same thing over and over again. And they actually are the guys from basketball. <laughs> like, that's them. Like, that, they really are. And I think that's why basketball works. Because it's really just them. It's them and their stupid little sport that they made up for their dopey fans. That's kind of dumb and racist. And, like, a, in a ra- dumb and racist movie. Like, and sexist and whatever like fine go like but there's not much in that there's not much but these guys have turned this into this massive cultural empire and sorry i'm ranting again i'll stop (laughs) well okay let's let's move on to the next scene (laughs) okay well so he gets a shadowy visitor and uh this visitor invites him back to his limo and after uh some mixed messages they get to telling him that they want him as the world's greatest actor to go undercover or act like a terrorist that way he can help foil this terrorist plot which he explains is going to be worse it's going to be as bad as a hundred nine elevens um which is a lot and you know he meets the whole team there's a bunch of other dudes and there's two girls so there's like a love triangle that's starting to form and they ask whether he's willing to be a hero for his country or there's the door and uh it's funny. He takes the door and uh, he leaves. And yeah, he's uh, a reluctant. He's a reluctant hero. Joey Campbell. Yeah, they actually apparently they said that they read. You'll appreciate this scene. They read the Joseph Campbell stuff before making this movie to hit every <laughs> cliche from every movie you've seen. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, but they also didn't really need to because they've seen these movies. Like, they're actually, they're shrewd. This is their talent. They're shrewd sort of watchers of movies. They're basically podcasters, like sort of close reading podcasters. Like, I mean, they have other talents, but like the the, the intellectual sort of strength of this is 100% rests upon their critique of certain cultural forms and conventions of American sort of late capitalist Hollywood, period. That's it. That's all they can do. Like there's nothing else outside of it, which is which is which is the problem with the satire, which is like it sucks the sort of force out of it because it's just malnourished. It doesn't have a anything undergirding it. It's like, you know, Jonathan Swift writes about eating babies. But underneath that is a lifetime of sort of work writing about the poverty, like like, you know, a, a bunch of different things going on. Like, he's And a man he of really letters. ate babies. He put he his really money where his mouth was. <laughs> but anyways, so this is this is the, those scenes again are just like oh. Well, God. I mean, okay, I'll. I I really didn't want to be the one defending this movie. <laughs> but apparently, I don't, I don't you like are. It very much. But I will say, I think these guys like know how to construct a good joke. Like, I think this movie works best, and I think their humor works best when they are just leaning into pure absurdity. Like, there's the best jokes about this movie of this movie are just when <laughs> when they you know when they have jokes about the fact that it's puppets like they yeah. when the puppets are yeah. dancing or when they you know place yeah. the puppet yeah. but that's in like one a real joke world that they make through the whole thing that's this one joke yeah, over and over again it's funny. like like that's the thing the form the form is the joke 
right? Like the format of the movie and how it's made, its production is half the joke of the movie. Well, that yeah. actually is not bad. That should be That's, enough. Yeah, but then they had to sort of go out of the way and make it a political allegory of a sort of satire. They wanted that controversy and they wanted it wasn't good enough to sort of do that, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so they transform this actor surgically into uh, oh, God. <laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> this part it's crazy. He's like the uh I mean, he, he just has like splotches of it looks like pubic hair on his face yeah. and uh yeah. brown makeup. So uh, offensive. Oh wait, my God. But, uh, but again, that's I the think thing that's that sat- happens in movies. Yeah, like that's that's the joke. Like the, there's literally one, uh, it's I think you only live once or you only live twice, the James Bond movie where <laughs> he has to go undercover in Japan and just gets this yeah, horribly offensive that. makeup job where he just looks like Sean Connery with like, you know, <laughs> a weird eye thing. Like uh, it's a thing that's happened in movies. So I, I, I don't know. I think... Yeah, the whole first chunk of this movie, I just read as like an indictment of the way movies kind of depicts race to a certain extent. It, it, does that, it's not an indictment. It's not an indictment. It's laughing at. There's a difference. Yeah. There's okay. Difference. Fair enough. You're right. It's, it's not an indictment. Like, it it and, is. And then, yeah. and then when it's just laughing, this is the problem. When it's just laughing and just being like, look how stupid that is. And you recreate the thing that's bad, then you're also just making it worse because you're giving license and you're normalizing something that, like, 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 just alone on its face, the Durka Durka Mohammed Jihad stuff, like that gets them against the wall, in my view. I mean, I'm not speaking literally here, but like, this <laughs> Wait, you're movie, speaking literally. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not speaking literally here. Like, you're saying you want who do you want to murder exactly? <laughs> like that, that like puts this movie against the wall in terms of like, wait, did you just act? Because imagine, I mean, look, we were raised on the, we were raised on the, like, remember the prequels, how there were like, all, like, blackface, there was like a Step and Fetch It character, and there was like a Charlie Chan character, and there was just like, what are we, and it was just normal, it was acceptable, right? But like, the added, the supposed smug kind of like libertarian, like, I know that's bad, but I'm going to do it anyways, because I say that it's bad, and I want to point out that it's bad, but yeah, they totally. still it's, like yeah. saying it, they right. still it's, enjoy saying it, it's they not still indictment. like saying it's, it's, F-A-G. They like spelling it out. It's pointing out something bad and having way too much fun yeah. doing yeah. it. It's kind of, it kind of reminds me of like when when Quentin Tarantino like writes movies where he has to say the N-word. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm saying Which this is like the center word, of his but, career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I sort of I sort of see like a little bit of a difference between the Durka Durka thing, which I think that they are maybe trying to say this is how Americans or how American movies do view uh, everybody from other cultures. Like in American action movies, they're not speaking the real language. They're just speaking gibberish. I think it's supposed to be like obvious to us and we're supposed to like see that where I think it is like straight up racist. And I don't think that there's any satirical excuse is the uh, Kim Jong-il use of the... You know, classic Asian stereotype of uh, exchanging L's and R's. Oh yeah, they just want to do that. That's that's what's fun for them. They like they like they they get their rocks off being racist on TV, and then they later whitewash it and say like, "Oh, it's fine. It's just comedy." Well, that's the that's that's the other thing I wanted to say about 
this very point, this defense of it, where I, I do think that the movie is structured to be like, this is a movie world. This is a Hollywood American movie world. And these are the things that we're pointing out. And and like we've said, they, they have too much fun doing it. They kind of revel in it to an uncomfortable point. But then the other, the kind of other strike against them is that they do the same thing on South Park without yeah. this kind of like structure yeah. of a political satire. Like they just yeah. do it in random episodes where yeah. you know they're voicing different characters or they're you know sending the kids to the middle east whatever it is like they they clearly just enjoy uh doing that i mean it's also hard to get offended at them because they're doing it to be offensive and it's almost like mm-hmm. you don't want to give them the satisfaction of but the problem is later when your friends in the schoolyard, case in point, our friend that we saw this with, when he still, <laughs> who Uh-oh. still says, who still sometimes says Durka Durka, still, I think yeah. I heard him say it a few years ago, I think. I may be making that up, but he said it recently. And like, yeah. and like that's, like that's, it's not about intention versus how it lands. And I think I said that earlier. It's actually bigger than that because like the moment you cite, the moment you circulate these old, you know, for lack of a better word, tropes and kind of signifiers and, you know, like Eleanor and like switching up Eleanor or even the whole thing about North Korea, um, like the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. It's not called North Korea anyways, but like we can't even get the name right, but how it's this, how it's the, it's like in that case, it's like the stand in for evil, right? Like, oh, the dictatorial regime and all this stuff. And it's like a kind of like, it's a paragon of evil and, and, and Asiatic, it's what, you know, in Orientalism, the book, by Edward Said, he calls it um, uh, Asiatic despotism or Oriental despotism, right? And so Kim Jong Kim Jong Il and now his son, like they've been they've been these parodied as these characters. I actually now want to do an episode of my podcast, which is called The East Is a Podcast. If you don't know it, on just mashing up different Hollywood obsession with the DPRK. Because this is one of them, right? Like later on, there was something with, there were recently, there was the interview, yeah. right? And it's like, it's caught, but like, here's the thing that you don't say. Americans killed, I think, over a million Koreans in the Korean War, North Koreans in the Korean War, like a huge chunk of their population, right? And so there's this weird obsession with going back and making fun of the people you killed who are now threatening to you. And why? Jesus Kelsa Breeze, like they developed nuclear weapons, they developed ballistic missiles, they're armed to the teeth and for a good reason. Right. Like you can put aside whatever life is life in North Korea, but try to understand it from their view that like, why are we antagonistic to the outside world? Maybe because the entire world, including the UN, invaded that country and like try to overthrow their government. So it's like these are the intelligent. These are like rational, intelligent, like unsexy, unfunny ways of talking about North Korea. Or you could just be like Trey Parker or whatever his name is. Or is it Trey Parker? Yeah. And then just be like, oh, let's switch our L's on R's. Let's just do the same shit I was raised on. Like, it's well, such I mean, a yeah, frat but- boy. It's such a frat boy thing. Like, these guys are criminal. I like, think these it's guys fair are just to critique there. the North Korean regime. I think sure. that's fair, but this is not the way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know anything. These guys don't know shit. They're not like, yeah. I mean, they don't, Kim no Jong Il was a target because George W. Bush made him a target by doing that whole axis of evil thing. And I think him as a public figure, he is fair game. But what's not fair game is using, you know, racial stereotypes to lampoon him. That doesn't, yeah. you know, that's not acceptable at all. 
Yeah. The point are the stereotypes. The point is to give yourself a license to perform this way and then retroactively say that, oh, it's, it's comedy, parody, irony. You know, I mean, it's like a, it's a, it's, it's typical. Why is everyone so fucking stupid? Why aren't more people intelligent like me? I'm so lonely, so lonely, so lonely and sad real alone. There's no one, just me only, sitting on my rental phone. So it's around this time that, yeah, the movie really like changes gears because right. we we get into not just the Kim Jong Il stuff, but also we meet all the uh, puppets that are modeled to look like real life movie stars. And they're all the kind of like, I mean, I guess most movie stars are left leaning other than like John Voight. They're liberals. Let's put yeah, it out. They're, they're libs. Well, they're specifically like the ones that were opposed to the yeah. war in Iraq and the ones who were outspoken, like Sean Penn and Alec right. Baldwin, Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins. And, uh, but yeah, some of them are like really re- like Liv Tyler. I don't remember seeing Liv Tyler <laughs> say anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, this is where. It just becomes axe grinding with your peers. Yeah. Like, let's make fun of our peers for daring to say anything. It gets to the, it's, it's at this point in the movie, like, I even remember thinking this at the time. It's like, oh, this is more of like a you thing. Like, this is, not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. this is less of like our concern and more of like, this is your industry and you have a pro. It's, it's like yeah. them wrestling with their own celebrity in a way. Yes. Like, they're so uncomfortable with being yeah. part of like the Hollywood establishment that they had to make a movie where they literally murdered the Hollywood establishment yeah. but under the the guise of being this uh you know this broader uh political story i i don't know like didn't I, george clooney play a huge role in there he in did their, he didn't yeah. he like actually like it's that elite that made them he basically got south park on the air he helped set them up because the the south park like you know demo or whatever like the first short film they made would get passed around at hollywood yeah. parties people would play it and george clooney was one of the people who said hey what is that and he helped get the thing moving like i mean yeah i think they're friends with all these people or a lot of the people except for sean penn sean penn was very upset about this movie did you guys read about that yeah i did read about that he said he sent them a letter (laughs) outlining (laughs) exactly how upset he was about this movie (laughs) sean penn can sean penn can shove it that's it yeah (laughs) it's the only thing sean penn is a garbage person and uh, yeah it's it's what smug like yeah hit up all the smug liberals you want but their their issue with them is not that they're smug liberals it's that they're smug liberals who oppose the iraq war that's what unites them because in their world nobody could ever take an ethical stand against a war right right? it's always for cynical reasons because they themselves are cynical assholes who have who just you know i mean what's funny is that they actually had a kind of weird recuperation in michael moore's documentary right bowling for columbine they played these kind of weird protagonists like if we only understood them because they're from that town right yeah they're from nearby and actually that's why michael moore was sort of included as a bad guy in this because um, in Bowling for Columbine, they were interviewed, but then there is an animated section that sort of uses South Park style animation, but wasn't at all authorized or, you know, had anything to do with them. And so it made people think that, you know, they endorsed this movie and, you know, whatever Michael Moore was saying, but actually they didn't. 
So, yeah, I remember seeing. It was, I think Matt Stone was in Bowling for Columbine, and yeah, they they had a, a cartoon shortly after his interview. Well, let's talk like this. It is done in the South Park style, but it's it's not actually made by them, and they were mad about that. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, I, I this movie annoys me because I have to keep defending people I don't <laughs> like. Like, I really don't like Michael Moore. I think it's a, they really don't deserve it either. Yeah, they do not deserve. He's a it. terrible filmmaker, and uh, I and you know, probably a bad person if you believe, you know, certain accounts. But like, if you, you know, create a movie where it's like Michael Moore (laughs) wants to destroy America and like, uh, that's buying into this like absurd yeah. right wing and also like yeah point. and deep and the North Korea dictator that like you're doing Bush's work for him. Mm-hmm. I mean these are the guys. These guys you could say in some ways help the Iraq War with their first movie. Like there was no need to have Saddam Hussein as a character in that movie, who's like literally fucking the devil. And of course they had to add on like a good heaping's worth of homophobia. But like that kind of dehumanization. Forget of Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein is human garbage but the fact that you can then these guys are in service of a larger sort of imperialist project of designating certain countries as enemies and telling them look at how bad they are look at how despotic they are and because they located it around the so-called like dictators personalities whatever like they located around them that's their that's their kind of get out of jail for free card but really all they do is like watch msnbc reports that are like probably made up about north korea and then they turn Turn that into a movie the same way James Franco and fucking Seth Rogen did it too with this with that interview bullshit. Although that movie cost Sony, uh, but like because it was wasn't it supposedly the cause of the hack. Oh yeah, no, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good for North Korea. Well, no, no, no. We don't support <laughs> North Korea hacking Sony. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, we do. Although I will I say do. <laughs> there were some funny emails to get leaked. Thank you. They, how many? How many podcast episodes? How much research did they help those North Korean heroes? They helped a lot of us no, by exposing. We're those not emails. calling them heroes for the record. Uh, no. <laughs> I did, we, rewatchability does not endorse that statement. <laughs> I mean, let's just wrap up to the end of like the of the plot. Kim Jong Il is gonna. He has a big peace conference planned with it's the so Film it's Actors so Guild, and they're gonna destroy everything with all the world leaders there. And, and Gary has to learn how to act again because he doesn't believe in himself after the team gets captured. They go and they do that, and um, yeah. Yeah, they, 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 you know, kill them all, right? <laughs> but I mean, the big thing, the big thing is the speech. The speech that he gives oh, is the uh, the dick so asshole stupid. pussy speech. And this is, I mean, this is what I think is the the implicit message of the movie is that like it's you know, not implicit; it's explicit. <laughs> it's explicit. It's the implicit that I mean. <laughs> it's the explicit move point of the movie is that yes they sort of look at america as like this world police force that yes sometimes fucks a bunch of shit up causes a whole bunch of collateral damage but is ultimately needed and i feel like that is like that is just plainly stated that is what they believe that is the point of this movie even though there's a they're satirizing america fuck yeah even though there's the country songs with the patriotism they they actually buy into that like they they love it that's they love who they are we're reckless arrogant stupid dicks and the film actors guild are pussies and kim jong-il is an asshole 
Pussies don't like dicks. Because pussies get fucked by dicks. But dicks also fuck assholes. Assholes who just want to shit on everything. That's, I think, what... I think was the like you know the ultimate disappointment of the movie, other than all the racism, homophobia, sexism, and other bigotry, is that like yeah they like they actually just support the Iraq war. Yeah, like they're not oppositional. <laughs> That's what this movie is. They're not. These guys are not oppositional. That's their greatest skill is manufacturing this image of themselves as being oppositional. Well, really, what they're talking about, like the the whole thesis of the first South Park movie, and we loved it. I mean, I think I saw it with you, JM. No, I saw it with I my don't friend. Know. But we see we what? Uh, which like, friend? The whole thing which of friend? it was. Which What's friend? his name? I saw it. <laughs> But like, I, the whole thesis of it is like, why do you guys give us so much crap about how much we swear? Which, when I was like 16 or 17 or 18, like I was like, yeah, this is a righteous issue. But it's just like about their own stupid little world of having to yeah. deal with censors. Like it's like it's there's nothing there's nothing interesting in that. It's just an excuse. Well, I think I think there is. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but I think there's something there are more. You guys did it on the, speak you, did, about, you guys did it on the podcast. No, right? we haven't. Yeah. No. Oh, you haven't? Really? No, no. But I, I think they're more equipped to address that issue whereas yes. in this it feels That's like they're, they're punching above with. their weight you know what i mean yes. like yeah. they're yes. not absolutely ready for this and yeah the other thing i want to say is like I, I think there's a few fundamental problems with that well for one thing like the movie you know and they kind of position themselves as like these punk rock edgy guys and no like you said that yeah. speech at the end like it basically wraps up with like a bad new york times op-ed <laughs> yes. <laughs> last few minutes. yes but it's also, a defense of the status quo ultimately but also it's the if like basically the moral of the movie is a huge self own because we get to yeah. this point where the end of the movie is like, don't let Hollywood inform your political decisions. And it's like, right. Wait a minute. This is a movie. <laughs> this is a yeah. movie telling like, me its they, political yeah. position yeah. is not to listen to Hollywood. It's like a weird rubris of like nonsense. <laughs> well, I can see a difference in like a celebrity who is speaking out at like a red carpet award ceremony thing and, you know, expressing your political views through your art, I think is two totally different things. And you can argue that, you know, I sometimes I think celebrities should shut up. I mean, they, sometimes they don't Most know the about time, things. They <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow, I don't think, has anything good to say to people. But so you know, the problem isn't that Gwyneth Paltrow has you know, dumb opinions. I'm sure she does. The problem is that people give them a forum to espouse That's them what it is. where they shouldn't. Yeah. Like I was reading about the making of this movie and it was, I think their co-writer, Pam Brady, who said like they started writing the uh, celebrity thing because they started seeing cable news, putting actors on TV to talk about foreign policy when they're obviously yeah. not who should be talking about that. Right. But the problem is not that George Clooney has a thought about the Iraq yes. war. The problem is the cable news is a, <laughs> a yeah. diarrhea yeah. factory that needs Which is to... also their source, right? Which is like, you can tell, like these guys have never done any deep dives into anything to do with the world. Like these guys just watch TV and they make TV. Like this has to do fundamentally with the fun, like, just the basic basic like basicness in other words of of hollywood it's it's very low level it's not intelligent the things that we think are radically intelligent and critical turned out to be kind of lame it's like whenever i see hollywood trying to like be smart and be critical whatever it's like it's I, I can only think of that garfield meme of him looking at a meme of himself with like a no sign and he's saying like gee i wonder who that's for and it's like don't you get that like 
you are the target. Like as you said, it, it's like an it's like a self own of like, bro, you are the status quo. You are Hollywood. Like you show up to the Oscars in a dress. It's not funny that you show up in a dress. First of all, it's like you just like you think it's funny to like dress up as a woman and like wear a dress. It's like hilarious for them. Putting that aside, but like, bro, you're still at the Oscars. Like you're still like a hack at the Oscars. And like Robin Williams is singing your grand song on the stage. Like what do you what do you? You're not an outsider. Like they never have been. Yeah, I I I wouldn't call them hacks because again, I think that they're funny guys. They are now. They, do a lot of they are work. now. I don't, I haven't watched the show in years, but I, I also like I love the music in South Park, which they're nominated for. So I I, I don't want to you know completely. In the but Interestingly, but they're enough, establishment. They're an establishment. They've always been the establishment. They, that's my yeah, only point. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like that's been probably their biggest frustration, and I think that's what this movie is ultimately about which is why it was maybe a bit disappointing. Okay, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with trivia questions. Woo! So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. We're back. It's Rewatchability. We're on the Entertainment One Podcast Network. We're talking about Team America World Police. It's a movie that uh, I don't think any of us like that much. Um, there, still, there are some jokes I really laugh at. They're mostly uh, puppet-based <laughs> jokes. <laughs> it's good that you can see the strings. It's funny. That's, I could say right. one nice thing about and, it. And you know what? Like, there's no other movies like it. Except, the Except for the Thunderbirds movie. movie. No, that, in fact, that's what partly why this movie started. <laughs> oh, that's true. The, the, was it, because, was, it was CG, right? No, it was live action. It was, Oh, oh, it was live action. Didn't I just they can't make picture a Thunderbirds it that way. movie? Yeah, the Thunderbirds movie was li- directed by Jonathan Frakes. Directed by Jonathan yeah. Frakes, Commander Riker. <laughs> and that's partly what got them to make this movie was they heard about the, the Thunderbirds, Jonathan Frakes project, and uh, said, like, oh, that'd be fun. And like puppets. And they're like, no, it's just going to be people. And they're like, that's dumb. Someone should make a, a big puppet action movie. That's what got them <laughs> thinking about this is Jonathan Frakes, uh, you know, lack of Failure. ambition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I have some trivia questions for you. Question number one, the guy who does the voice of Spotswood, who's like the, the leader of team America is also a recurring actor on one of my favorite shows. Uh, I guess this question also relies on you knowing a bit about me, but what is it? What's the show? It's one of my favorites that he's an actor on red shoe diaries. <laughs> uh, no, Rescue 911? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not William Shatner? No, it's uh, the actor is Darren Norris, and he plays Cliff on Veronica Mars. Oh, which one was Cliff again? He's their lawyer, and I always love it when he shows up. He's great. Which one is Veronica Mars again? Oh, come on. <laughs> also... I thought this was fun because they do most of the voices themselves, but Alec mm-hmm. Baldwin is played by a legendary voice actor, Maurice LaMarche. Ooh, it's uh, wow. the brain. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's great. Okay, uh, number two. Marvin. What did they put inside the Michael Moore puppet before they blew it up to give it that real, you know, Michael Moore exploding effect? Watermelon. Well, that's a good guess, but no. Rob? Mm, hot dog meat? Oh, it's, it's close. Ham. They put ham oh, inside ham. Michael Moore. That's so clever. Uh, Michael Moore, if you didn't fat. notice, is a large... Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Rob. You don't have to say I the F word. <laughs> That's uh, all these jokes are. Isn't it funny that they're gay? Isn't it funny that they're fat? Isn't well, yeah, it funny that they're thing. brown? Michael Moore is holding two hot dogs when they interview him. It's like, yeah, it's, it's things you can make fun of him other than the fact that he might like hot dogs. <sighs> That's yeah. what's hacky about it. That's yeah. what's hacky. You're right. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think... I wouldn't call them hacks per se, because I think as as misguided as a lot of this movie is and a lot of their work is and how much I, I don't agree with it, I think that they can still structure a funny joke. I mean, my favorite episode of South Park is a later one that I happen to see, or I don't know if it's my favorite, but what I really like is the one where they go to like the Pioneer Village and, and it's taken over by uh, like jewel thieves or something and they want to get into a safe but everyone is still in character and refuses to acknowledge that they're not <laughs> in a pioneer village like another good one is the baseball one where they hate playing baseball that's another good one and uh the gamer one like the the warcraft one yeah i think i saw too. that yeah, and they have like go back and look at the shows. Like they have some like all time like bad all time bad takes on <laughs> on issues. Yeah. Like they, <laughs> I think they recently even like did kind of a mea culpa on their climate change. Like they did an episode about Al Gore. Oh yeah, Man Al Gore. Pig. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, because that's the thing. No one in that's the, that's exactly it. These guys, no one can ever have any political sincerity i mean yeah, fuck right. al gore he they should make fun of him but but like in their world because they have no politics other than nihilistic like that whole thing at the end dicks and asses and pussies like these are people who've never touched anybody else like it's all just orifice for them like it's like you know what i mean like they have a very limited worldview and to extract hours and hours of of comedic material and narrative out of that i mean but that's why they went back to the well that they knew with book of mormon mormons are easy to make fun of yeah, right? Like who's gonna who's gonna defend them? Who has a big and who's gonna defend, you know, like as a one time Mormon, I can say that. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I didn't know that about you. Well read the book. Uh read the book. It's in there uh, at the back. Uh, I know I've listened I've listened to rewatchability many, many hours, and I I didn't know that about you. Uh, they, they, uh, we've definitely talked about that because yeah, that's the sure. only time Rob and I talk. I, knew, I know that. <laughs> I know that. Like you had, a, you came from like a small town that was very religious, but I didn't. I didn't know that it was. I may uh, not have been specific about it. Oh, okay. See, close reader. Okay, one last question. Team America originally began as a remake of what movie? Anybody know the this? A team. I, I have no clue. Not the A-Team? That's the only one I guess. That's my guess. It's kind of a funny story. And Shop around the corner. When, when this, you know, I, <laughs> I think the story of You've how You've got mail. <laughs> I think the story of this movie, how this movie got made, kind of fills in a lot of gaps in terms of like why it's not a particularly potent satire because it seems like they kind of just fell ass backwards into a lot of these issues because originally they had the idea to do a puppet movie because of the uh, Thunderbirds thing. And then... 
they uh, were given the script or read the script somehow for the as yet unproduced but already greenlit Day After Tomorrow, which oh, would God. go on to star Jake Gyllenhaal. And they thought it was so <laughs> stupid. And uh, I think they heard something about like how it was greenlit just with a one sentence pitch like climate change is destroying the world. And, you know, it was the one of the Independence Day guys or something. So they thought that was really stupid. There's a stupid movie. They got a copy of the script. They thought, you know what we'll do? We'll make an all puppet version of the same script, the same movie, but with puppets. Wow. And we'll release it the day after it comes out and call it the day after the day after tomorrow. <laughs> it's just gimmicks with these guys. Yeah. It's all they have is gimmick. Pretty much. That would have been a gimmick. Yes. I would have watched that. I think the puppet day after tomorrow would have been hilarious personally, but they didn't do that because they realized that that would be uh <laughs> infringe on a lot of copyright laws. <laughs> but that idea morphed into doing like a different kind of, or their own action movie. And, you know, eventually right. team America. Yeah. So that makes sense. Like we, we talked about Sean Penn did not like this. He uh, <laughs> wrote a sternly worded letter to them. Fuck Sean Penn. Go to hell, Sean Penn. Sean Penn is a bad man, abusive. He's he's not only an abuser, he's the world's worst novelist. So Oh right. Yeah. There's yeah. also that. Did you read that? Uh, yeah. No, no, but I read about it and uh it sounded awful. Yeah, so he's terrible. You know, I was thinking about them and thinking about just how kind of this movie never digs into any kind of meaningful satire about uh and and even kind of like you said, like reinforces like the George W. Bush doctrine. Do you guys remember they made a show about George W. Bush? Yeah, like that was it. That's oh, my yeah. Bush or something. It's called That's My Bush. Yeah, and it was like oh. it was it was so the, bad. Yeah. It was they. It was They're not just like libs now. They're like resistant libs with Trump. No, like not even because with, they don't. Yeah. It's not even critiquing him or making fun of him. They just made like a a 70s style sitcom that happened to be set in the White House with a George W. Bush lookalike. Like, it, the, the kind of target of the satire was like how dopey 70s sitcoms were, if anything. And it was yeah. so strange. And again, it was... I remember culturally, everyone kind of had the same reaction to it as we did to Team America because there was this buildup like, oh my God, the South Park guys are doing a George W. Bush show. It's going to be South Park. Bush is going to get it now. Yeah. And then it was just like like a threes company type show with a guy whose name was George Bush. It was so strange. Uh, But yeah, that that just popped into my head when we're. That's the thing. Like, being a contrarian, you you don't have anything other than being a reactionary. Like you literally have to wait until somebody there's like a consensus on an issue or a broad consensus, and then you just take the opposite position, and like that's it. And like, well, most, I don't agree that's with like, that. That's, <laughs> that's like the Reddit. That's like I think in some ways that's the redditor brain we have. Like the red pill is it red pill? Yeah, or red pill, blue pill? I don't remember. I don't but know. Like, I got confused kind of... and I had to go to the hospital after four hours. <laughs> <laughs> Corny. That's Corny, Rob. <laughs> but I'll allow it. But like that's you're I the think guest. The word- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to allow it. I, I said uh, it to his judgment. 
<laughs> but like the like the, this, this, that that culture of like snide nihilistic everybody's a phony i mean that's 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 holden caulfield and that's like the redditor brain right and like these guys played a huge role in that i mean we were the audience like our age our demographic and also our gender was like was the audience for this show people who oh, grew yeah. up on the simpsons on like early simpsons too like these this was like a this was like that and then and then the trifecta came the holy trinity was completed with the arrival of family guy and we're still stuck with those shows like we're still stuck with like these dudes who like just won't give up whatever cash cow that they have but i think we are a little different because the show south park started when we were in high school so by the time of like Team America, I think the reason why we had that reaction to it is because we really kind of aged out. Aged out of it. Yeah. Like I yeah. can't I think the reason why people you know, like I said, there's been a few op-eds about like what the South Park generation kind of ended up like politically. There's a good one by uh Sean O'Neill over at the A V Club, an older one. There's what I don't know if you know the writer Dana Schwartz. She wrote an op-ed about it because she she basically said something about South Park creating a generation of trolls and uh, <laughs> was immediately attacked by a lot of trolls <laughs> who, who found that statement to be inaccurate. <laughs> and she wrote a piece about that. So, but I think like we were able to kind of age out of it in real time, like you said, but for the people who were a little younger than us, like to kind of to get into that show and to kind of get like that, that dump of content where you're binge watching this, uh, the show that goes, you know, down some really bad paths. I mean, the episode they do about like transgender people is, uh, I can't imagine what, uh, what that's like watching it now. I mean, it was cringy even being like pretty uninformed about those issues when it came out at the time. But like, I, I mean, it's, it's, I, I mean, I, I'd have to go back and look up what it was like, but I, I think like it was a show that was reacting very quickly. Like they put the show out in like a few days or something. Right. Yeah. Like, did you guys read that? And I, I don't think it, like, That's all their shows now. It's just like four days of like Adderall fueled, like <laughs> like yuckety yucks, and yeah. like this, and they're also old too now. Like like they're like I don't know. Like the fact that they've kept it going so long that these guys have just they're just it's just an ATM, you know. Like you, it really is. These guys were always like peak peak phonies. But I, mean, I, I really will say were. again. I want to reinforce that I like it when they just if they just find an absurd premise and don't You try- like that's why you like their movies, the early ones. Remember like, how yeah. JM, JM was he no no the earlier ones. <laughs> and Cannibal. No, the earlier ones. Yeah. Cannibal was a cannibal and then the other one Orgasmo. I never liked Orgasmo like, that much. Like but the thing is like what they are they have the same Kevin Smith um independent sort of anti-hero energy. They started with that. Yeah, okay, well, I'll, I'll, Cannibal I'll was uh, like just like a student film that got bought by right. Troma or something. Right. Yeah. Which is also how the the Animal Part the Animal House guys started, right? Like it's a kind of it used it, like what today is now YouTube. Like we all have YouTube now, but like back then there would be kind of like incubators and these guys were like in indie filmmakers and like there is a creative idea 
idea inside of their work usually, but it doesn't use, but it's like a spark that then never turns into anything other than kind of a smoldering mess. And, and I think the fact that like, you know, the orgasmo is, I mean, orgasmo is a dumb movie. Uh, Cannibal is fun. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's ugly, but like, but it's like fun, ugly. And, and basketball is hilarious. Basketball is like their best stuff. I mean, it also has like some passive, some like, like the scene where they go to India and stuff. Of course, they can't help themselves yeah. being racist. Uh, they just can't help themselves. And that's what, that's what, if you're going to be a South Park fan, I'm not saying this to any of you, but like, like, uh, but if you're going to be a South Park fan, at a certain point, you just say, this is excusable for me. This is excusable. I don't mind. And like, that's, that's the issue we should have now is that like, why do you, why is it okay for you to accept these like suburban, like suburban Colorado? rich guys like depicting Africans in the same way that like 18th century genocidal like psycho British like population management theorists imagine Africans as like this unitary whole who are always clicking like that was like their right, first yeah. season right like who are starving like these images matter and it's one thing to say oh we're giving America a mirror it's like no bro like you're enriching yourselves off of these stereotypes and you're throwing some in about Americans for good measure but but really, in the end, since there's nothing beyond there's nothing beyond you saying all of this is dumb and we should make fun of it, that's where it goes. And like the same way that The Simpsons now is just this like you know gallery of guest stars, like the only thing that carries any episode forward. Not that I've watched an episode in like a decade or a half, but like all the only show, the only time you see a commercial on, you're like this week on The Simpsons, Marina, whatever, Abramovich shows up for some reason, like <laughs> like like you know, and like that's that's it. And so like that's what The Simpsons propels the simpsons and that what propels what's always propelled south park and these guys has been like the world is stupid i'm stupid the world is cynical i'm cynical that's it everything anybody who tries at anything is bad yeah guys i really ranted during this episode i talked to, i talked for like 75 percent of this episode i'm sorry that's so okay. you love this movie <laughs> poor rob got like shouted down he's like i work here too you know <laughs> <laughs> it's okay i can overdub my opinions <laughs> i just you know i picture like our american listeners right now are like you know standing at a barbecue cooking up some burgers for the family stars just, and stripes cowboy hat yeah just listening <laughs> and, to and you I'm here scream. Extolling, <laughs> extolling north korean hackers <laughs> once again rewatchability and uh <laughs> It's affiliates do not endorse it's the more offensive of- that It's more offensive that you defend South Park guys even weekly than my wholehearted, full-throated endorsement. No, I'm not of defending North them. Korean. Yeah. I, I think you know. I think this they movie suck. is an encapsulation of, of some of their worst stuff. But I mean, like again, like I think that they're funny when they when they have an absurd thing that they do, not when they're trying to do something yeah. of any substance. Like there was. I did watch some episodes of like a recent season where <laughs> did you read about this like the thing where Randy was a Kyle no not Kyle the main one Stan's dad Randy was who's the best character on the show yeah and he he said like he could get Lord to come play at Stan's birthday or something 
And then at the end of the episode, he it's just him in a wig saying like, Lord, Lord, Lord. And clearly the joke is like, <laughs> he couldn't get Lord to, he didn't have a connection to Lord. So he just put on a wing and did it himself. And then someone at Spin Magazine wrote an editorial being like, South Park has gone too far. Like implying that Lord, like this beautiful young woman who writes these amazing songs is an old, looks like an older man or something. Like they totally missed the joke. So South Park wrote a whole arc about how like this guy with like a fedora and a trench coat was going door to door being like spin magazine i'm <laughs> I, i've heard lord is actually like an adult man and then it comes out that randy is actually lord and like just through like auto tuning is <laughs> performing all of these songs and it becomes like the driving arc of the season that's pretty funny I heard it was really funny because again they had a just a almost surreal ridiculous uh storyline that was foisted upon them and they just ran with it and uh yeah and i think the lesson looking back on it as an adult is no one should get their uh their political sensibilities from from the guys that they also get their fart jokes from (laughs) (laughs) like just because they're clever at some things doesn't mean that they should be like shaping yeah. anyone's worldviews. And, yeah. uh, and I would say that's incidental, except like they're so clearly trying to shape young people's worldviews. I mean, the whole speech at the end of this movie is like they both sides it, like they do what, yeah. what yeah, they is really so they really irresponsible do. to do now. Uh, I guess we're wrapping up. I, I think I know where we're going with this, but <laughs> Cena, did you find the movie rewatchable? Just- just burn this movie just burn it like give it the give it the star wars holiday special treatment and burn the negative well the star wars holiday special is great yeah, what are you yeah, talking about? compared to this uh-huh. at least that at least that has some charm uh but no yeah no this movie's terrible i shouldn't watch it these guys are horrible they're racist they're terrible they're not good <laughs> Well, we just lost two listeners. <laughs> name Trey that's fine. You can. It's fine to like racist people. It's fine, but that's what they are. Like you have to just own it and be like, "Yeah, this is racist." Period. But it's funny. I was right? trying to apply and that then, they were listeners and that they're not listening <laughs> oh, anymore. No, they're not listening. They're too rich to listen to this. I mean, we might. I mean, a lot of people love that show. I mean, I still love episodes of that show i'm sure like the uh so do i no, so do i yeah. i mean i grew up on i didn't i wasn't never a, i was never a crazy watcher of it but it was a big thing for guys our age like it had a, it, it has a huge cultural footprint not to the degree of the simpsons but but something but like close yeah I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, I also don't find it rewatchable. Not that I loved it to begin with, but yeah, it definitely makes me rethink a lot <laughs> of, of what I liked about their earlier stuff. I mean, we watched baseball for the podcast. It definitely has some, uh, some, some gross jokes in there, but I, I think it, it's more of a straight ahead comedy and, and is a bit better. I, I mean, they really lost me with the Book of Mormon, even though it's got some People good songs. People love too. it, though. That's like that's been their comeback thing. I know, but just the way, just like I, Broadway is just such a like undemocratic art form. It's like like it always bothers me. Like for so long. On like movies and podcasts, people would just like reference Hamilton, like we've all seen it. It's like I haven't fucking seen Hamilton. Right. I don't. Now I don't you know can. what happens. And now I can. Spike Lee just made the movie. It's not going to be on Disney, but like for so long, it's like I. It's never played in a city I've lived in, and even if it did, I couldn't afford it. Like, why are you? It's not a cultural yeah, touchstone for everybody. 
Yeah. Get down to the tickets booth. <laughs> but yeah, they're just businessmen. In the end, these guys are just businessmen, and that's that's the biggest like that's the biggest critique you can throw at them. It's like, bro, you're just salesmen like the rest Stop of them. Stop calling them bro. Uh, that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> they are bro. They deserve bro. Uh, Rob, what did you think? You you'd never seen it before. Yeah, I mean, you know, I really wanted to give it like a chance and, you know, I we talked last week when we talked about Robin Hood about satire and how satire undoes itself sometimes. And, you know, I uh I, yeah, I really wanted to give it a chance, but it just really undoes itself by being so uh awful and racist and homophobic and enjoying it. And uh yeah, it just seems like really unapologetic about how crappy it is. And yeah, ultimately, the message of the movie is terrible. Like, they were wrong. So, I mean, it's hard to support this movie. And it, it's kind of hard to see why people who are obsessively progressive like this movie. Like, I, there are lots of people who I don't think are, like, reactionary or conservative who love this movie. And I wonder if it's just that they haven't, you know, taken a close enough look at it in the last 20 years or whether or not, you know, it's just that we let this stuff fly uh, so easily. I think there's also, like, there's some people that weirdly have just been, like, even though I think our culture has, like, shifted away from a lot of these uh, types of jokes, there's some people that weirdly have just been kind of grandfathered into, into you know, keeping their slot as kind of, like, edgy, offensive comedians. Like, Larry yeah. David, like, the... Not this past season, but the season before of Curb was like crazy racist. Oh, really? And like yes, no one yes. had a problem with it. Because it's okay to be racist against brown people. It's okay. I mean, and this movie is an example of it. Like, Larry David's example of it. I mean, these are progressive, liberal Hollywood types. And it's perfectly okay to say that all Palestinians want to murder Jews. That's, ri- that's, that's literally is, what that's happened. That's blood libel. There this is scenes, blood libel you're saying. There were scenes where like he would just see like a brown guy in the street and and they would just start chasing him like a cartoon. <laughs> like it's but like I think, what? and no, and there's not one hand that re- there's not like a any liberal tears over any of this because it's okay to do this stuff to brown people, to Muslims. I mean, it's just okay. It's just okay in America to do this stuff. It's acceptable and it's funny. It's a source of comedy for them. Happy July Fourth, everybody. <laughs> Cena, what do you want to plug um, before you go? Listen to my podcast. It's called The East is a Podcast. It's fun. We've got a ton of episodes. I have 300 trillion hours of content. Check it out. It it ranges. Sign up for the Patreon. There's a ton of stuff behind there, too. And uh, follow me on uh, Twitter. I'm on Twitter at uh, Your Orientalist. You are Orientalist. <clears throat> or just look up East is a Podcast and you'll find me. And you're not going to plug uh, our Star Trek podcast? Oh, and of course. Well, well I was going to let you do it. But <laughs> it's been, well, it's been, we also, it's been a while. We're supposed to do another one, remember, Jan? We'll and we are going one, to yeah. do it. We we'll did a it. recap we'll for Picard, um, if anyone's seen that or watched that. T. Earl Grey hot take. Check it out. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can... Thank you guys for having oh, yeah. me on. Sorry I yelled the whole time. No, it's justifiable. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Rewatchability, facebook.com slash Rewatchability. I forgot to mention at the top of the show, our Patreon. Thank you to everybody that donates a couple of bucks a month. You get uh, the episode early without ads, and there's some other bonuses too. We did a commentary track for... Uh, 
Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade yeah. uh, recently that's up there so uh, thank you all everybody there we'll be back next week with another episode until then America fuck yeah Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. $15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.